Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Bitcoin, you getting fat. Ex-U.S. Treasury Secretary says things about Bitcoin. And in our main conversation today, I talk centralized versus decentralized social media and freedoms of speech. Coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is January 18th, Monday, 2021. And I want to say my condolences to the Cleveland Browns. Look, I know, versus the Kansas City Chiefs, we kind of all saw this coming. But what we didn't see coming was an excellent game nail biter up until the end i mean literally until the fourth down in the fourth quarter with one minute left on the clock it could have still went for the cleveland browns but the browns' defense was swiss cheese it sometimes held it sometimes came the offense was on point but the defense honestly let the browns down congrats to kansas city for advancing and as we say in cleveland there's always next year now for those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 1040 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $36,296.37, up 2.5% from yesterday. Ethereum, $1,235.30, up a percent from yesterday. Litecoin, $148.87, up 4.8% from yesterday. Chainlink, $2167, up 6.3%. And XRP, 28.4 cents, up 2.6% from yesterday. Total market cap, we're crossing the $1 trillion mark again at $1.02 trillion, up 3.5%, with the BTC dominance of 66.3%. In our main conversation today, I sit down with Michael O'Rourke, CEO and co-founder of Pocket Network, and we're having a nonpartisan philosophical conversation about centralized versus decentralized social media platforms, and if or how the actions of Twitter last week to ban Donald Trump from its platform could foster future innovation. Michael, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Very good. Thanks for having me on. 100%. Look, last week we saw a lot of very interesting questions come out of the social media space, centralization, and now I want to juxtapose it to decentralization. And we're talking about Trump's ban off of social media platforms. Can you please just really quick summarize the centralized situation that we saw last week with Trump being removed from social media? Yeah. So over the last four years, we've had this uh, uh, increasing outcry of people asking uh, the leaders of these tech companies who have effectively a monopoly on attention to uh, remove Trump from the platform uh, and, and you know, whether that's Facebook, Instagram and, and, and Twitter, for example. And the challenge is that they, uh, by, by removing Trump from the platform last week, they've kind of gone farther down the slippery slope of, of, okay, you've banned Trump. Now, who else are we going to ban? And these sorts of things. 
So we kind of saw last week as a culmination of really effects of, of, of these centralized media platforms that reach billions of people uh, deciding to, to, to cut off a world, a world leader from their primary form of communication. It, it was a d- difficult decision. I think they could have done a lot better in, in the communication and clarity of why they did these actions. And the way they justified it is, is once someone is, is threatening the democracy or inciting you know, real violence like we saw last week, uh, that's, that's a step too far. You mentioned the word centralized. I mentioned the word centralized. What is centralized? And then please just uh, give us a definition for decentralized because then I want to roll into our next segment of this. Yeah, so so a centralized company like Twitter or Facebook own all the servers and uh, the government can go to Twitter, Facebook, any global government can say, hey, you know, at the ISP level or the internet level, say, hey, can you stop sharing this content from this jurisdiction and, and these sorts of things? Uh, the difference being in a decentralized network like, like a BitTorrent uh, or something along these lines, uh, we, we found that the governments cannot stop them. And that's because there is no one entity running all of the servers. Whenever government has tried to shut down uh, any, you know, anyone running uh, uh, kind of one of these seeding servers for BitTorrent, if you've ever used uh, something like LimeWire in the past, uh, it's it's incredibly difficult to shut down. Uh, we still see torrenting being a very popular thing today as a result. And of course, you know, we see that with Bitcoin and, and all these other cryptocurrencies as well. Again, we're not trying to make a political statement here, and I'm not falling on one side or the other. What I do see is I see that when uh, there are restrictions to a certain technology or a certain need of the people, I see innovation emerge. Is this what you what you see? And do you see that this is going to be a fire starter for innovation around freedom of speech or freedom of communication, mass communication in social media? It is, you know, and this is something we've seen time and time again in history where governments have banned books, alcohol, or the prohibition. People are still going to do and the market is still going to do what it wants to do, whether it's more difficult or not. Constraints breed creativity. And uh, we've seen in this arena of privacy and speech, a stronger, a brighter light really, really shown on these sorts of things. And, and historically, we've seen people care about privacy and, and speech when they've been personally affected. And we now have had what I think uh, may be a tipping point in kind of the broader consciousness and conversation and more people caring about these sorts of things, particularly when it comes to decentralized platforms. When I think of what you said, you said when Twitter or social media platforms, these tech giants can ban uh, certain individuals when it threatens democracy. I think of the only time that I saw that happen thus far was here now in the United States. That seems very ethnocentric or very biased because a lot of people used or wanted to use social media platforms, say in Hong Kong to uh, protest, in Iran to protest. And it was not Twitter that was kicking people's off, people off for uh, organizing or saying things or inciting a overthrow or a um, insurgence or an uprising against their governments. It was the government closing down the internet to say, you guys can't talk about this, but Twitter was always backed off. Do you think that there is a, a bias in their decision? Or maybe maybe hypocrisy uh, uh, might, be, might, 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 be, might be one of the- uh, The better uh, words. Another word. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, I think we're in these one of these situations where the, the tech has just completely passed regulation and, and even, um, you know, having one person or a group of executive decide, you know, whether, you know, things should be showed in Hong Kong versus in the US is, is obviously going to lend to kind of the existing structures that these men and women are, are operating in. I've been seeing a lot of conversation recently about um, an internet court, unbiased internet court can handle these sorts of decisions. And in fact, you know, for example, some of the uh, decentralized networks like like Aragon has been have been leaders in these sorts of things. And I think that we will start to see um, these sorts of manifestations, whether through, you know, the powerful countries in the world, and I believe eventually through powerful protocols in the world as well. I, I like what Andrew Yang called it. He called these tech giants, 
quasi governments. And that's basically how they're operating is they are making decisions that literally impact the government and the people at the same time. And I think that the impact of their decisions has not really been fully felt or understood until recently, or even not, even if it's not recently, we're going to see the slippery slope uh, be impacted in maybe 2021 or 2022. Really quick, uh, because this is a crypto and blockchain show, just tell me a little bit more about blockchain and decentralization and how the infrastructure for a decentralized system could be set up and what would that look like? Yeah, I, you know, just you can look to Bitcoin or Ethereum where you have people running miners all around the world. I think uh, we'll start to see protocols and products. Um, there's a popular one now that's started to be more used called Mastodon. That's a, a, a federated uh, version of Twitter. Um, so what that means is I can join the servers or the topics that uh, with people that uh, I choose to join. Um, if someone uh, uh, wants to kick me off from one of these federated servers, you know, I can get kicked off if, if, if I'm, you know, spamming or, or, or being, you know, rude in some way. Uh, but in the end, I can build my own federated server or find a server with people that more in line with my thinking, as long as I'm within the rules of that server. Um, I think we're going to just going to see a general pullback of the world in many ways like this, where in effect, every country and state in the world will not want to depend on um, these kind of conglomerates kind of deciding what gets shown and what not what doesn't get shown. On the protocol sense, I think uh, this infrastructure is is just now being built. I think over the next three years, we'll actually start to see some real products being used that exist on this decentralized infrastructure. Um, I can definitely bet you that Gab and Parler have gotten hundreds of messages from entrepreneurs to, hey, build on my blockchain platform. And as this becomes more of a global conversation, uh, that demand will start to uh, improve the infrastructure of the apps that are trying to service this problem. If a centralized or decentralized Social media platform is being used to organize an uprising against the uh, the United States Constitution. I'm not even going to say the government because you can say whatever about the politicians, but the United States Constitution, that is not a good thing. And if you're able to use these servers and create your own groups and amplify your ideas, and that grows into something that we saw happen on the Capitol, and it's decentralized, and it's not able to be taken down, is this really the path that we want to walk on? Yeah, uh, laws still exist. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, for, for decentralized <laughs> uh, 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 infrastructure, you know, if I can do bad things, that means people can come and find me too, right? There's lots of ways in this world that we live in today in which, um, you know, even though I'm able to spin up a server that can't be stopped, I can still be tracked. What I expect uh, to happen is, is our law enforcement around the world will just get better at doing these sorts of things, um, particularly in a world where we're, we're starting to see more pseudonymous and anonymous um, uh, characters online. It's very possible to find people doing bad things. And in an open source network where anyone can join, that means the feds can join too. Um, and I don't expect that to change, to be honest. Oh, Michael O'Rourke, co-founder and CEO of Pocket Network. Thank you very much for coming on, having this conversation with us. And I hope to have you back to have more conversations about decentralized versus centralized. Thanks for having me. And in other news, Livecoin, one of the last vestiges for shitcoins, is shutting down, setting lost control over its infrastructure. If you guys remember, Livecoin, a Russian cryptocurrency exchange, was allegedly hacked on December of 2020. They said this in quote, Our service has been damaged hard in a technical and financial way. There is no way to continue operative business in these conditions. So we take the hard decision to close business and paying the remaining funds to our clients. End quote. In summary, the platform promises to refund its clients. However, it's requesting a substantial amount of data to do so. So take that as a warning. Make sure that you're on the official Livecoin links or accounts when supplying that data. There might be imposters, there might be scammers. I love to see new people buying tickets and hopping on board the Bitcoin train. Yet I always have to think, why did it take so long? 
to come for the ride. Lawrence Summers, who previously served as the U.S. Treasury Secretary and National Economic Council Director, said that Bitcoin's price will rise, demand may rise, and Bitcoin is here to stay. Lawrence Summers served as the Secretary of the Treasury under the Clinton administration and the president of Harvard University from 2001 to 2006. There's not much more news in this, but it makes me always wonder is what took people so long to go, yeah, this could be a thing. I, instead of being curious about what he said, I'm more curious about what made him say it. What changed his mind? What did he see? Hopefully, Lawrence Summers wants to come on the show and talk about it. Like I said in the intro, Bitcoin is getting fat and it's weighing around 320 gigabytes right now. And it's growing at 50 gigabytes per year. What's the big deal? Who really cares? Well, here's the thing. To run a full node, you're going to need a machine and the storage to be able to do so. You know, just a laptop off the shelf usually comes with about 512. My phone, I think, comes standard with 512 gigabytes. And to get one terabyte or two terabytes is honestly pretty affordable for me. But I am in a developed country. Where are Bitcoin's nodes mostly found? Well, they're being ran in North America, Europe, and parts of Eastern Asia, China, Japan, South Korea. Where are you not seeing Bitcoin nodes being ran? Central and South America, Africa, the Middle East, and India, and the Stans, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and so on and so forth. So why is that? Some people are pointing at the price of storage. It's just cost restrictive to buy something, a laptop or a hard drive, to run a full node for Bitcoin. I mean, the price of hard drives is getting cheaper at around 15 cents per gigabyte, but still, that is cost restrictive for a lot of people. They are saying that the price of hard drives going down faster than the size of Bitcoin's blockchain is going up. So that is good news. But for right now, the nodes are heavily centralized, well, decentralized nodes, but heavily located in the developed countries. Another theory on this is internet speed. How hard is it and how much time does it take to download 320 gigabytes? I always just call it 400 gigabytes of blockchain. It could take a damn long time on good internet. Now, if you don't have good internet or if it's unstable, that can really hinder downloading and running a full node. So I guess the real question is, is Bitcoin blockchain only, as of right now at least, favoring the rich countries? And is this new financial system really for everyone? Well, considering economics and purchasing power is a factor, maybe it isn't. And finally, Coinbase is redoing its infrastructure to prevent outages during peak times. If you guys remember Jan if you guys remember January 6th and January 7th, Bitcoin kind of went crazy and Coinbase, like usual, went down. It's almost a running gag on crypto Twitter anymore that when Bitcoin goes crazy, Coinbase goes down. And during Bitcoin's last run up, it didn't disappoint. Coinbase said, end quote, We are further decomposing our monolithic application server into separate, discrete services. This will allow us to have different scaling profiles for different sections of our API surface that receive a heterogeneous load. In addition, this will reduce the blast radius if we have any issues with any one surface, as it will only affect the APIs or functionality that it is responsible for, end quote. So if you understood what that statement meant, reach out to me because I have no clue. I'm just going by the headline that says Coinbase is redoing its infrastructure to prevent outages during peak times. I hope that what they said in there means that they'll stop going down. That's the important part. That's the important part, Coinbase. Brian, get your crap together. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Please go over to Apple Podcasts. 
like, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a comment. It helps me know how we're doing, and it gives people confidence to click on the podcast. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everybody.